Welcome to Disciple Making Over Lunch, a podcast discussing the ideas and practices of making disciples of Jesus. We believe the best conversations happen over food. So grab your lunch and join us as we discuss how to have, and help others have, a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. This is Disciple Making Over Lunch. Hello and welcome to Disciple Making Over Lunch. We believe the best conversations happen over food. So join us for 30 minutes and let's leverage your lunch for the sake of helping folks grow in Christ. I'm Danish House. I'm Brian French. I'm PJ Loganowski. And I've got a slice of garlic pizza today. Oh my God. From Wegmans. From Wegmans. I'm in a frosty mug of water. (laughs) (laughs) I have homemade iced tea. Fantastic. Well, as uh, as you're getting to know us uh, through Disciple Making Lunch, we wanted to give you uh, our best three disciple making resources. What are the three best things that we've each used to uh, help train others to become disciples of Jesus Christ? So we're going to share those with you today, and uh, we're certainly would love to hear from you. What are your three best resources? Please. Put those in the comment section below this video. Send it to us by email. We'll be happy to hear it. Maybe we'll use some of those resources on a future broadcast. Um, why don't we start with Brian? Brian, what's your number one resource that you'd like to share with us? Well, I think uh, besides the Bible, I mean, let's be clear. We're not, we're not discounting God's word as the primary source of making disciples. But I think the more we can connect people into the Bible and help people to understand it, I think that's very helpful. And in the same way that uh, one of the books that has helped me uh, learn how to preach, it's one of the books that has actually helped me to meditate and hear from God himself through his word. It's called uh, Deep Preaching by Kent Edwards. Kent is a good friend of mine, teaches uh, preaching and leadership at Talbot Seminary in Biola, uh, out at in uh, La Mirada, California out in LA. And one of the things that he talks about is he takes the the three essentials of preaching, the preparation work of just studying the passage, understanding what God intended to say to the original audience, and he gives tools for that. But then he also talks about uh, the, the homiletical side and how to present it to other people. The piece that is often missing is the how do we meditate on this and glean from it. And so he Uh, talks about a process in this book called Closet Work. And it's a time when you and the Holy Spirit get to spend uh, engaging with the idea of that passage and what that means. So uh, the first part you do is you look backwards. What does it mean to the original audience? And why did they need to hear it now? In the fullness of time, why did God give them that passage, that truth for them? Uh, Then secondly, you look upward. Uh, What is God teaching us about himself? What characteristics is he talking about? Uh, Then you look inward and you see how that starts to influence your life. Where do you see this being successful in your life? Where are you unsuccessful with this principle in your life? Then you look onward. What would it look like if it was going to be successful in your life? And what changes do you need to make? And then finally, you look uh, forward. You begin to anticipate the fact that we have an enemy of our souls who tries to derail this process of knowing God personally. 
So we start to think like the enemy, move and counter move. If if I'm him, what is he going to do to try and stop me from having more progress in this area? I find that those five questions and then all of the secondary questions that he asks in those categorical five have been so helpful. And I love to teach those uh, to people. Uh, the second is a book that I have on Kindle. Uh, so I'm not going to flash it up on the screen because trying to get it to align with lighting is always hard. Uh, and it's a book called Simplify by Bill Hybels. Now, there's no question that Bill has made some serious mistakes uh, in recent ministry. And yet uh, God has still used him, has used sinful people uh, to write some incredible messages, develop some incredible leadership. So without uh, negating what he's currently uh, in process of repenting from and what is happening to his church, I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater either. Uh, and simplify is basically a way of saying, here is what's important in my life. Here's 10 categories that I need to align my life to in order to find a simplified life. Uh, the first chapter that I find really powerful is simply that we need to organize our time around what we find most important. And he suggests God, family, hobbies, work, and exercise and health. Exercise health. Uh, so block off time periods in your week where you're going to pursue those kinds of things, pursue the things that are important to you so that you're just not always at the mercy of other people demanding from your time. Invest in what's important to you. Uh, the second thing that he talks about, well, I think is relational. Uh, he talks about uh, how we have to forgive others and why we need to forgive others, which I think is an important message in an age of intolerance and outrage that we can decide what are things that we have to uh, just say, you know what, I'm sure they didn't mean it, they weren't offenses, or actually this was an offense, or this is such a heinous offense, I'll forgive them, but I don't know how I'll ever get over this. And he uses the example of a drunk driver killing someone and the husband or the daughter's sons and or the parents have to somehow process through that their life is never going to ever see their son or daughter or their family member again. But how do you begin to process through that so that you're not held captured by feelings of outrage and hatred towards that person? Those are the two. Uh, I didn't come up with a third because those are the dominant ones that I always come back to over and over again. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I, I uh, went to a conference that Ken Edwards taught i think at your church that's right if i'm not mistaken and uh, i thought he was a fantastic teacher i think i actually have the preaching on my shelf i haven't read it but i'd like to uh that's a great uh, yeah the, a great the two or three chapters on closet work uh changed my own devotional life uh so i highly recommend them i call that shower work i, I don't do that in that <laughs> your best sermons come in the shower absolutely Uh, PJ, what's your uh, first resource? What's the first resource you have to talk about today? Yeah, well, the resources that I, I want to share with you are kind of like um, a discovery journey for myself in areas of discipleship. Other people that were discipling me introduced me to these books at different eras of my life, and they really opened up the door for me to understand Jesus in a much more intimate level. And the first one for me is Experiencing God by Blackaby. Um, when I first read that book, I, I didn't think that it would be possible for me to have the kind of relationship with Jesus 
where he would be speaking to me actively and that I could learn how to hear his voice, how to test his voice, and then how to respond to the things that he was calling me to do in my own personal life. Mm -hmm. I just thought the general revelation of scripture was pretty much it for today. It's kind of how I was raised and brought up that you, you didn't really sit before the Lord in prayer in order to hear what he has to say to you, but rather to just give him your list of things that you were hoping he was going to be able to do for you in your life. And then you just yeah. kind of waited for him to go do it as if he was like some kind of divine butler or something. And I remember as I was going through the pages of experiencing God, God just really showed me different, different times in my life and different prayers that I was uh, experiences that I was having with him, that he was actively answering my prayer as I was, praying to him. And as I went through that book with myself and uh, again with some others, it, it was a resource that really helped me understand how to hear his voice and then have the courage to respond to it. Great. Yeah, boy. I, I remember the first time I came across Blackaby's book, it was, it really hit big in the Christian world. And my mom had a copy of it. And, um, and at that time, I was really uh, scornful of anything that was popular in the Christian world. I felt like, oh, if it's popular, it can't be good. And um, I, I think I even said that to my mom. And uh, I don't know if it was revenge or what, but that Christmas, she gave me a copy. Of <laughs> I hate I steak. I read it and I just, I was blown away. I thought it was fantastic. What a great book. Uh, yeah. Wonderful resource. Brian, have you had any experience with experiencing God? Yeah, I did it a long time ago, and that actually, uh, again, I was I was I grew up in the era uh, that uh, the Bible is static, but God's still speaking, and yeah. the idea that God's universal will can't be overridden by His personal will for your life, but only He can communicate uh, His personal will for your life through the church, through your own study, through your meditation. But giving him time to do that, that's what Jesus did when he went out into the desert to seek, am I this guy? Am I? Am I need to be empowered. I need to go. Uh, so it was right in line with what I already believed and put tracks to how to discern and make course adjustments in your own life. That's cool that it was quite an eye opener for you. Yeah, it was big. My first resource uh, that I have is... Uh, by Peter Scazzaro, it's the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Course. Here's a, a, a sneak picture. It comes with a, a book, uh, videos, and a devotional. Um, we've, uh, Pete Scazzaro has been um, just a wonderful influence on my life. Uh, what I like about the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Course is that uh, oftentimes we can frame the concept of growing as a disciple of Jesus in terms of you know, doing more, 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 do this, do that, do the other thing, adding things on. When I, I used to work with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, and we called it the, uh, the, 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 the train of discipleship, that you have the, the, the car of Jesus that's pulling along all these freight cars, and we just keep adding more and more on the back until, the, until it feels like our, our emotional life is overloaded. Uh, you know, add this practice, learn this skill, do this new mm -hmm. thing, you know, and it can become overwhelming. What I like about emotionally healthy spirituality is that it reframes discipleship in terms of slowing down to spend time with Jesus. And that's, I think, what makes all the difference. I mean, uh, how do you slow down, make time to be with Jesus and, and let him unpack your past uh, 
and enable you to move forward into the future, um, I, which I, which is a, a theme that I'm hearing from the Hybels book that Brian right. recommended and, and Blackaby with Experiencing God. It sounds like, you know, all of these, res- these three resources are, are focusing in on how do we slow down to spend more time with Jesus? I just finished taking my church through the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course. It's been really powerful for us. Mm-hmm. And DJ, what's your second book? Yeah, my second book, uh, again, following that journey, I had just uh, stepped into full-time ministry and uh, thought I knew an awful lot about what I should be doing. But the more that I started to study uh, what what spiritual formation looks like and how we need to do that in a group dynamic, hmm. uh, got a hold of the book, um, Growing a Healthy Church by Dan Spader, went to a couple of the seminars, and all of a sudden I... I understood that it, there was a lot of intentionality behind what Jesus did in his ministry. And uh, I was not intentional in the ministry that I was doing. I was just trying to gather people together and kind of hope they got the, the things I was trying to teach them. So all of a sudden, I realized that there needed to be this balance. And Growing a Healthy Church talks about a balance between winning people for Christ and building the believer, developing that spiritual formation, equipping them so that they can do things on their own training up leaders and then letting the leaders lead or sending them to worldwide ministry. And the cool part for me is I started to study this book while I was already pastoring. So I would be like reading a passage of the book and saying, oh, wait, I'm doing it all wrong in my youth ministry. So I would start to tweak my youth ministry week by week as I was studying this Mm -hmm. and had mentors speaking into me. And uh, it it just revolutionized my youth ministry. That year, we went from a, a group of about eight students to a group of over 30 students. And it just happened because we we were very intentional in what we were doing and how we were doing it. And all of a sudden, each of the students, wherever they were in their own spiritual walk, were, were met in that place and given the opportunity to take the next step. So for me, that book is is so foundational for taking just all of this great like enthusiasm for ministry to be able to create a structure to do ministry well. Gives you some rails to run on. Yeah, the rails to run on, as you had said with uh, the book you were reading. Yeah. yeah. I didn't, uh, I haven't read Growing Healthy Churches, but I did take the course and uh, I thought it was phenomenal stuff. Uh, like you said, it gives a framework for uh, a structure, a superstructure for, for building a ministry that's healthy and that's reproducing in other right. people's lives. Great. It's interesting that the books we're suggesting so far have said health isn't by accident. You don't fall into it. You have to intentionally choose to pursue or organize your time. Danish, what's your second book? Absolutely. Uh, my second book is by Ken Boa. It's called Conformed to His Image. Um, you can see I've got my my little uh, bookmark in there. That, that looks just I, like you on the cover. <laughs> the image of this violin. That's right. Uh, I, I've actually I used this book in, uh, in one-on-one disciple making, actually one-on-two disciple making. I met with uh, a couple of guys at a local diner and once a week we would sit down, we'd read a chapter and then we would, we would do it together. It's a fantastic book for those purposes and I highly recommend it. Uh, what, what Boa does, and I think this is just brilliant, it's brilliant stuff. What, what Boa does is he takes a step back to ask the question, how have Christians throughout the centuries and across sort of denominational lines, how have they looked at the, at what, is a disciple of Jesus and how are disciples formed? And so he asked, you know, how do how have the Roman Catholics formed disciples? How have Methodists formed disciples? How have 
Episcopalian Church and Reformed Disciples, how about Orthodox, etc. And he's sort of distilled all of those different ways, each of them into a, a, a particular chapter in the book. Um, he narrows it down to basically, he calls it 12 facets of growing as a disciple. Okay. Different ways that people have emphasized growing as a disciple of Jesus. And he presents in each chapter biblical teaching on why this is a helpful way to grow in Christ, as well as practical exercises to help you to pursue growth in each of these ways. Mm. Uh, it's fascinating. It's, it's almost like a, a combination of church history and, and church polity course at the same time as it's it's helping you to build practices into your life that have helped Christians across the centuries and in every culture uh, to grow in Christ. Great, great book. Very invigorating. Well, that's great. Um, well, like I said, I don't have a third book. Um, ah. Yeah, so I, I don't know if that means I have to bring lunch next time for you guys or what. Lunch is on you, Brian. That's right. Uh, but what did Brian, you guys have for your third book? What's that? You did, yeah, Brian, you did mention the Bible, so we're going to... Oh, sure. Oh, good. Yay. All right. I had three. Thank you for giving me that one. I, I appreciate it. Does that mean if you don't mention the Bible that... <laughs> Let's not go there. Let's not go there. Uh, Danish, what was number three for you? All right. Number three for me? Uh, yeah. So the third one is not actually a book, although I will recommend a book, but it's a practice that has probably the, the, the one thing that I've done in my life more than any other practice that I've learned is a manuscript Bible study. When I was mm. in University Christian Fellowship, they taught the process of manuscript Bible study. It's an inductive Bible study approach, but it uses uh, typed, double-spaced, uh, eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper that you color in with uh, crayons and, and pens, and, uh, and you draw connections through right. it uh, to, to help you to understand the text at a deep level. Um, it has shaped me who I am as a Christian more than any other practice. I use it day by day, year after year. It's taught me how to read scripture and understand scripture in a new way, uh, in, in a way that's, that's deep and, and, uh, and, and fascinating. I, it's helped me to, to find the Bible fascinating every day when I go into the yeah. scriptures. Um, and I, honestly, if I could teach believers just one skill I would teach them manuscript Bible study. Uh, I think that you would gain all the other skills through the scriptures if you if you just knew learn how to dig into scripture uh, on your own. The the book that I recommend and, and I, I I gave it to somebody I don't have it here to show you, but uh, it's uh, it's called Bible Study Handbook by a woman named Lindsay Olisberg. She didn't mm -hmm. invent the method, but she teaches it very well in the right. book. I highly recommend it. Have any, have any of you guys done manuscript Bible study? Uh, I saw it in practice, actually. Uh, there were some leaders at our church who taught our small group leaders uh, how to get into the Bible. And uh, they used the manuscript Bible study. And I was skeptical when they first started, but they we walked through the exercises together. And as they went through the process, I was amazed that uh, they made a connection to a portion of Scripture that I hadn't made before. And I felt like I knew it fairly well. Uh, but what they said was, and you see this in the next story as well in the Gospels, that this is happening the very next chapter. And I went, I would have said those were two completely different natural units. That's that's a great insight. And it reshaped how I teach that passage uh, just because of the manuscript Bible study that they had done in making those connections. Cool. 
Yeah, I think John Piper uses something really similar right now in uh, videos that he's putting out on YouTube where he's, uh, he's connecting words and phrases and ideas in scripture in ways that you just really didn't think about before. It's good stuff. Yeah. My um, own personal contribution to the field of Bible study uh, is when I teach manuscript Bible study, and this is, here, I'm giving this, this is my, this is my gem. This is what I give. This is what I say to people <laughs> is that my, my one number one principle of Bible study is read it until it's weird. Yeah. Read it. It's weird. They basically, the idea there is the authors of scripture, they wouldn't have written it down if it wasn't fascinating. And interesting. Right. You know, if, if everyone knew this, right. 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 If, 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 if it was just common knowledge, if this, you know, nobody writes uh, a story about, you know, Brian, you know, woke up in the morning, went down to Aldi's, picked up a gallon of milk and came home. You know, that, that's the just, end. If it's, if, it's an, if it's an everyday occurrence, they don't write it down. So read it until it's weird. Read it until you don't understand it. And then that's when you start to, to have the opportunity to understand. That's it. a great insight. Great insight. DJ, you're third. Yeah, I, just Anish, that that's really great because sometimes, you know, you go through scripture and you've heard these stories over and over and over again and you just think you, you know it. But uh, you go into it with that attitude of what what here don't I get? What mm -hmm. what don't I know? Sure. And all of a sudden it goes to a different level for you. Pretty cool. Well, just recently this past year, part of my homework for uh, church planting was to study a book by Mike Breen called Developing a Discipleship Culture. And uh, every once in a while as pastors, we read a book that affirms the stuff that we have been taught and that we're doing. And you hear an outside voice kind of speaking into um, things that you've already experienced or you're already doing in your life mm -hmm. and ministry. And, and it just kind of puts that stamp of approval on it and says, yeah, keep going, keep, keep doing this. And my, my favorite part from this book is it really talks about that um, philosophy that Jesus had in his practice of challenging people to, to, to go to another level and inviting them into relationship with him but not just letting it become comfortable at that point, that once you have a relationship with him, now he, he invites you to take it to the next level. He challenges you to step up a little bit. And then when you do step up a little bit, he invites you into closer relationship with him. And when you have closer relationship with him, he invites you to you know step up another level, that there really is no true coasting with a relationship with Jesus, that there's always this challenge and invitation, challenge and invitation, invitation and relationship and challenge to go to the next level. So for me in my own personal life, uh, church, planting this church is the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my, in my professional life as being a pastor. And uh, just really thinking that God had invited me into this and then challenged me to a higher level. And through that, I've just really experienced a deeper relationship with him because I've had to depend on him even more for this. Okay. So for me, it's just uh, part of my, my timing as I've been developing as a pastor and developing as a disciple of Christ. God just continues to give me these great resources to affirm where I am and take me to the next level. Inviting you in and challenging you to the next level. That's just, that's a, it's a, I think it's a powerful descriptor of how Jesus operates. And it's a powerful descriptor of how uh, discipleship, the process of discipleship works. Yeah. And that next level is never comfortable, right? No. It's, it's never I mean, Jesus saying, and okay, I want you guys to go out in ministry and don't take a staff and don't take extra clothes and no money bag and just rely on the hospitality of strangers. You can curse them if they don't help you, but if they do help you, right. then you have to stay there the whole time. 
and you're not allowed to be comfortable. Um, there was this, like, talk about the deep end right away. Um, it's never comfortable stepping out. Um, you just got to trust the one who said, you got to go. Yeah. And that's so opposite to our American culture, which is all about comfort, right? Right. That, that tension that's there. And right. even us as American pastors, we want to try to get a comfortable church and a comfortable ministry and a comfortable house and our family to this place where everything's comfortable. Well, that, as you said, Brian, just often, well, often, most often is not the case if we're really following after yeah. Jesus. Although Jesus did say, switch out the pews for chairs. I'm confident that he said that, that, that need. I'm just kidding. If you have pews in your church. Yeah, it's in the gospel of me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But yeah, it, it is, it is a challenge for sure. That's a, that's a great book. Guys, these are some great resources. I'm just going to read back through the list in case someone is looking. And Brian, maybe uh, in post-production, you can pop this list on screen. But Already the, done. Magic of post-production. Look at that. The books we talked about are Deep Preaching by Kent Edwards, Simplify by Bill Hybels, Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby, Growing a Healthy Church by Spader, Developing a Discipleship Culture by Mike Breen, uh, the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Peter Schizero, Conformed to His Image by Ken Boa, and uh, The Bible Study Handbook by Lindsay Olisberg. Those are some great resources, guys. Absolutely. You've given me more to read this week. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that you, as you're listening to this podcast, as you're watching this podcast, have had a great time enjoying your lunch hour, or lunch break with us. Um, thanks for joining us for Disciple Making Over Lunch. This has been episode three. Um, we would love to hear from you. What are the resources that have blessed you, have helped you in your walk with Christ? And also, if you have any comments to make about the resources that we've recommended, we would love to hear those as well. Um, let's continue the conversation perhaps over dinner. That sounds good. All right. Well, my name is Danish House. I'm Brian French. And I'm PJ Boganievsky. Thanks for joining us for Disciple Making Over Lunch.